0: Well, it's good to be with you again uh, this morning. Uh, As I've said before, we always enjoy coming to share in these services with you here in Airdrie, and it's good to be here today. You'll find our Bible reading in Paul's letter to the Romans, and we'll read uh, just a short section there from verse nine down to verse uh, 16. Romans 12 and at verse 9. This is the Word of God. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be Conceited. May God bless to us that reading from his inspired word, some very clear instructions for us there. Uh, I was interested in Kirsty reminding us, reminding us all, not just the kids, uh, about Sarah being a very old lady uh, when she gave birth uh, to her promised uh, child, And uh, I have to share in the service tomorrow of a lady, a member of the Queen's Park Church, who was 104 when she died. She would be 105 on her next birthday. And it actually all reminded me of an article that I came across a few weeks ago now in the newspaper, which was entitled, How to Live to Be 100. Apparently, the number of uh, centenarians in the UK has doubled in the last 15 years, gone from 7-odd thousand to nearly uh, 15,000 people now living to be 100. And this article listed a number of factors to help you live to be 100. That's if you want to live to be 100. But anyway, one of these factors, very interestingly, was headed keep the faith, keep the faith. Apparently, more than a 1,000 studies worldwide have proved a link between religion and longevity. Scientists at the University of Iowa, the article said, found those who attended religious services at least once a week lived, on average, 5% longer than their faithless counterparts. It's thought that the sense of community uh, reduces stress While being part of a congregation means there's always someone keeping an eye on people who are under the weather. So people live longer if they're in church. Another study found that attending church in middle age reduces mortality rates by up to 50%. Violet Brown of Jamaica, who was the world's oldest person as far as we know until her death last September, aged 117, claimed that following the Ten Commandments was her secret to long life. Uh, Another secret, of course, of living longer is just to be born female. In nearly all countries of the world, women outlive men by about 10% of the average lifespan. But there's not a lot we can do about that, guys. (laughs) That so we, so we may be able to do a wee bit about uh, living healthily and living longer. In fact, uh, Jesus once said all the law and the prophets, that is, all the teaching of the Bible as the Jewish people had it, uh, could be summed up in two principles. Do you remember what these two principles were? There they are love the Lord your God, with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. That's the secret, said Jesus. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And uh, when God brings us to himself, brings us to faith and brings us to himself, he brings us into his family, doesn't he? That's that's what it's all about. We're brought into God's family, into fellowship. And the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. It's a wonderful word in the New Testament. It means partnership. It means sharing. Professor Willie Barclay defines koinonia as that bond which binds Christians together to each other, to Christ, and to God. It means being as committed to one another as we are to Christ. That might be a strange thing for me to say, but it is as deep as that. The family relationship into which we are brought as believers is as real as our relationship with the Lord Jesus. He is our Savior, of course, and our Lord. But the question for us this morning is, how then do we live in genuine fellowship with one another? If that's what we're called into, how do we actually live that way? And the New Testament says a lot about us living together, living well together as Christian people. And one of the clearest passages is this one that we read in Romans 12, where there are lots of very straightforward instructions. To us. And I want just to pick out five building blocks for genuine fellowship from this uh, little passage in Romans 12. And the first of these building blocks is to be real. Be real. That's what Paul says in verse 9. He says, Love must be sincere. That is, without hypocrisy. Literally, the word means without a mask. Without wearing a mask. In Paul's time, of course, actors wore masks. That's how they portrayed the character that they were playing. And they would go off stage, get a different mask, and come back on holding a different mask in front of their face, and they were a different character. So they were hiding behind their masks. And and Paul says, Love must be without masks, must be sincere. we need to be able to be real with one another some of you will know that revival started amongst christians in Rwanda and africa many many years ago now but that revival which was powerful and strong uh, for years it began because they started to live out the truth of 1 john chapter 1 and verse 7 if we confess our sins as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we live in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And uh, they, they began just to be very open with one another about the way they were living. There was public confession of sin in a way that, that united these men and women together in very strong... powerful fellowship. The best way for you and I to be real is to let God's Word open us up to each other. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, the Word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. That's the living Bible translation. But the Word does that. It exposes us for what we really are. We need to be real and allow the Word to make us real with one another. The first building block of fellowship, genuine fellowship, is authenticity, being able to be open and honest with one another, allowing the Word to open us up to God, first of all, and then to one another. So, there's the first building block, be real, be real within the fellowship. Get rid of the masks, be real. The second one here is be considerate, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. As believers, we have to have family love. Of course, you know what they say about family. You can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your relatives. You can't choose your family. And that's exactly how it is for us here in this fellowship. We cannot choose our family members. We cannot choose our brothers and sisters. We are brought into this family. We are stuck with the Christian brothers and sisters that we've got. Some we really like and get on very well and get on easily with. Others, well, we're not so sure about some of the others. But the fact is, we are brothers and sisters together. And the health of a fellowship will depend on how well we are able to relate to one another, to everyone within the fellowship, how well we support one another. Fellowship is built on courtesy, be considerate, show respect for your brothers and sisters. Romans 12, 18, just a couple of verses on from where we stopped, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, never mind what other people are saying or doing, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm going to let you into a huge secret. Not many people know this. Every small group contains at least one difficult person. Did you know that? Someone who thinks or communicates a little bit differently from everyone else. Or she may have special emotional needs or quirky mannerisms that bug you. But that's who she is. Or he may tend to dominate the group uh, with his strong opinions, or perhaps his personal issues. Every small group of people has somebody like that. They are what we call the EGRs, Extra Grace Required (laughs) for these folks. But if you can't immediately think of the person in your small circle who might be an EGR, might just be you, <laughs> it might just be you or me, who knows, because there's somebody there who just needs special consideration. We need to be considerate of one another's feelings. The third building block is we need to be supportive. That's verse 12. Verse 12 challenges us to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Wow. What a challenge that is. If we're ever going to achieve that, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, if we're ever going to achieve that, we need one another to help us. You and I cannot be what God wants us to be without other people. That's why he has put us into family. We can't do it on our own, but together we can. Together we can do it. Uh, I've often quoted the verse in Ecclesiastes, particularly uh, at, at weddings to a young couple. The verse that says, two are better than one. And they are kind of proving that as they get married. Two are better than one. If one falls, the other can help him up. We need one another to support one another. And uh, just to make a difference in the world in which we live, we need each other's help to do that. Last weekend, the world premiere of a film was shown in Glasgow at the end of the Glasgow Film Festival. I read an article about it a few weeks before uh, in the paper, and it reminded me of something that I had completely forgotten all about. The article was headed, The East Bride Engineers Who Defy General Pinochet and Are Now the Stars of a New Film. Some of you will remember this and what it alluded to. September 1973, General Pinochet led a military coup to overthrow Salvador Allende and the democratically elected Marxist government in Chile. The Chilean Air Force's Hawker Hunter aircraft opened fire on La Moneda, the palace, where Allende and uh, his colleagues were holding out. Alendi was killed, and the government fell. And Pinochet took over. And in the years that followed, under his brutal dictatorship, thousands of ordinary people would be killed or just disappear completely. Well, almost six months to the day after that coup in Chile, Bob Fulton, an engineer at Rolls-Royce in Esquel, picks up the card for the next job that he's to work on. The plant in Iscobride maintained and overhauled aero engines, and the next engine to be worked on is from a hawker hunter of the Chilean Air Force. There are eight of them. Bob Fulton realises that these engines are from planes that were part of the coup in Chile that had fired on the palace that had fired on some of his fellow trade union members in Chile and on ordinary people and had killed them. He consults some of his fellow shop stewards and they agree to black these engines and not do any work on them. At one of the meetings Bob Fulton stood up and said, I'm a Christian and a shop steward and I refuse to work on a Chile engine. Trade unions were very strong in those days back in the 1970s and there was total support for this action. For four years these engines from the uh, Hawker Hunter aircraft, uh, the Avon engines, for four years they lay out in the yard in Rolls Royce. They were crated but they were totally open um, to the uh, elements and they were rusting and untouched. For four years. Now these men who took that action never actually knew the effect that their boycott had had until just a couple of years ago and this film was being made by a young Chilean film director. And as the film was being made and as these uh, four guys were interviewed, they're all still alive for the film, they learned that their action had provided great encouragement uh, to the Chilean people, the ordinary people in Chile, and actually had saved some lives. And a general of the Chilean Air Force, ex-retired uh, general of the Chilean Air Force, is interviewed in the film, and he admits that because of the Iscobride action, the Pinochet regime, for a time, had no hawker-hunter planes that could fly at all. And these, old, these guys... <laughs> didn't know what results their action had had, but it had very significant results on the other side of the world. Now, I'm not uh, so interested in the politics of what was going on then, and of course it created huge uh, turmoil and discussion here in Britain. But the fact is, by, by a, a, a daring actually and, and risky action for themselves, they kind of thought at the beginning that they would lose their jobs immediately for this, but by a daring action, a risky action, they made a difference because there was support uh, within the workforce, there was support actually across the world for what they were doing, and they made a difference to people that they didn't know, that they would never see but they made a difference to their lives. You and I can make a difference where we live. It may may only be for one person. It may only be for an hour. It may only be for 10 minutes in their life, but we can make a difference for somebody. Wasn't it encouraging to hear all the the news that we were getting during these snow days of people who were just doing things for each other, uh, just out of the goodness of their hearts? And uh, that's, we, need, we need so much more of that. And as Christian people, you and I ought to be at the forefront of that, helping one another to make a difference in the society that we live in, in our families and whatever we are. We need to be supportive. And just quickly, there are three parts to this mutual support. We need to encourage one another. We can do that in all sorts of different ways. But I used to love seeing people at the end of services in Queen's Park just praying for each other uh, in the pews, in their seats where they were. Not an organized um, prayer ministry, but just people praying for folks uh, sitting beside them because they wanted to encourage them and just to stand uh, with them. And we can do that. You can send cards, you can send emails, you can make phone calls, all sorts of ways in which we can encourage one another. And then we ought to honor one another. If you've never done this, you might like sometime uh, in any small group that you're part of to play the hot seat game. Someone sits in a particular chair, designated chair in the room, the hot seat. And everyone is given a piece of paper and asked to write down anonymously A phrase that will follow, this is what I appreciate about you. And you think of the person in the seat and you write down just something very briefly that you appreciate about that person. And then all the bits of paper are collected together and someone, one person, reads them all out to the person sitting in the chair. And then you pray for that person. Very encouraging. See, you're honoring a brother or a sister in your midst, and you are saying how much you appreciate them. And the third thing that's important here is that we forgive one another. Now, Paul doesn't actually say that in this passage in Romans 12. I don't know what he was thinking about How on earth he missed out the importance of forgiving one another, because he says plenty about it uh, elsewhere. And he does say, bless those who persecute you. He does say, don't repay evil for evil. The fact is, we cannot ever have genuine fellowship without forgiveness. We have to be forgiving people, because there will always be things in others' behaviour or their speech or whatever that we need to forgive. And there'll be things in our speech and our behavior that other people need to forgive we have got to be forgiving people or we will never experience real fellowship so paul says when he's writing to the colossians forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another forgive as the lord forgave you forgiveness Needs to be unconditional, and it needs to be immediate, if possible. Can't always be immediate, but the sooner the better. Now, trust is a different thing. Trust may take a long time ever to be restored after you've been hurt, but forgiveness can be absolutely instant, and it needs to be as quick as we possibly can give it. So there's the mutual support of encouragement, of honoring, and of forgiveness. Here's the fourth building block, verse 13. Paul says, be hospitable. Practice hospitality. Share with God's people who are in need. And the early chapters of Acts give us a picture of a New Testament church that was sharing everything, actually. Sharing meals, sharing their homes, sharing their possessions. They shared everything. One easy way to deepen fellowship in small groups, of course, is to eat together. Some cultures uh, are much more aware of that than we are and make much more of it, and everything is done around a meal or over a meal in some cultures, and there are good reasons for that. And, And you and I need to just get into the practice of meeting out with the formal times. You know, out with the occasions like this when we meet for worship together, a more sort of formal service, we need to also arrange times when we can just be together, just relaxing together, just having fun together, just spending time together. And the more we do that within our church programs, then the tighter our fellowship uh, becomes. We need to be Hospitable. The truth is, some of us may have no real friends within the fellowship, and that's very sad if that's true. You know, when I was a young student, uh, do you know what we were told? The advice that we were given as young ministers, don't ever have close friends. Within your congregation. That seemed very good at the time. There were, I was going to say good reasons, I'll just say there were some reasons for that advice being given. Don't have close friends within your congregation. But what what a desperately sad piece of advice to give to young pastors for whom, in some instances, life was going to be lonely enough in the position of pastor, but to be discouraged from having friends within your congregation was just, I think, so wrong, absolutely wrong. We need one another. We should be hospitable and share life with one another. And The final building block is to be harmonious. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. And there are two elements here. There is unity of purpose. Uh, Notice that it's not unity of personality, it's unity of purpose. We can have unity without uniformity, certainly. We can have harmony without homogeneity. We don't all need to look the same or think the same or behave in the same way. Ten times in the first five chapters of Acts, we are told they were of one accord. They were all together. They were of one heart, and they moved in power as a result of that. When a church is unified around a common vision, then petty differences quickly disappear, or they're dealt with wisely, as they were in Acts, Acts chapter six, good leadership and prompt action and the generous-heartedness on the part of the people meant that what could have caused a huge split in the early church was avoided completely. And there was harmony in the life of the congregation. And you see it. Um, I remember in the course of my ministry seeing that several times. Uh, Of course, we've just been uh, remembering the death of Billy Graham a week or two ago. And the, I remember the 1991 crusade in Glasgow, in, in Park Head. Uh, So many Christian believers worked together. I remember the Lis-Palau crusade that I was involved in, 1981, in Glasgow. People came from every church, every denomination. Nobody talked about their labels, about their backgrounds, because we were all engaged in the one big purpose, the one big challenge to reach those who were not yet believers in the city and in the community around about. And we worked together at that. And these differences that sometimes cause such division amongst us as Christian believers were just forgotten about because we had a bigger purpose. And the Lord knows that we should always be about that bigger purpose as believers. That's why it's good to hear of the services that will be taking place in in Holy Week as you mix with other believers in and around the town here, and as labels are forgotten because you worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Unity of purpose helps us to be in harmony with one another, as does humility in practice. Do not be proud he says, do not be conceited. And in Philippians 2 and 3, he says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. That's a a verse, it's a principle I've tried to follow for most of my Christian life, not always very successfully, but it's always been there as a challenge before me. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Think more of the other person than you do of yourself. Someone has said pride builds walls, but humility builds bridges. So there are the five building blocks of real fellowship. Living well with others will mean that ABC will be a fellowship where we're able to share our true feelings. We can be real with one another. Where our differences are respected, we are considerate to one another. Where we help each other grow spiritually, we are supportive of one another. Where we can relax with one another, we are hospitable in our attitudes. And where we we are united in our shared vision and accepted despite our weaknesses, we are harmonious. And that builds fellowship. May God help us to be such a fellowship built together like that for the sake of people around us who need to see the reality of Christian living and Christian loving day by day. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you so much that when you bring us to yourself, you bring us into your family. We know, Lord, that you expect us to live in fellowship with one another. We confess that our humanity often breaks through and prevents some of that fellowship from happening in the way that you mean it to. Forgive us, Lord, for our selfishness, for our self seeking. Help us to be the people you mean us to be and to think more highly of the other person than we do of ourselves. In order that Jesus might be glorified in our midst and that his love and his presence might be experienced in our community here, through our Christian living. In Jesus' name, amen.